So, in case you were wondering, I am still at the conference, and yes, Jim, I I did get some sunshine. I'm just I'm just that white, where my sunshine, yeah. So, well, uh, today is a conference recap, and and when I go to the conferences, the Holy Spirit showed me to do this, and so then I do it, and then I try to get out of it, and and then He says, no, you got to do these, and I want to do them. They're just not easy for me to do. Uh, uh, so really what we're doing tonight is we're going to take the entire book of 1 Thessalonians and scrunch down 10 sessions into one recap. So maybe that's easy for you to do. For me, I, I want to tell you more than I can tell you in, in one hour. It was that good for us. So find your way to 1 Thessalonians and then let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the word of God that reveals the Son of God. And having believed and received upon you, Lord, thank you for new life. Lord, how we need to be reminded of this new life that we have in you. Ask tonight that you bless the word of God and that you would fill up our hearts and our minds in you. With you, Lord, our thoughts, our life, uh, set our hearts and minds today on things above. Lord, the, the troubles in this earth, the the things going on in our personal lives, Lord, we we take this time to think upon you, where you're seated, where your throne is, and we worship. We listen to you and ask for your spirit tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Josiah, will you come up and read First Thessalonians chapter 1? in a nice, clear voice for the people. First Thessalonians chapter 1 says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your... Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our, our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to, to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from the idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, 
We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have been made made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we were exhorted, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you have heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, have been taken away from you in a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3. Chapter 3 says, uh, Therefore, we could no longer endure it. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. 
But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us of good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality and that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, and that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that the Lord died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. 
Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very high in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every, every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So, Calvary Chapel, uh, Southeast, well, let me rephrase that. Southeast Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference. So, SECCPC 2022. Uh, entitled Standing Strong in Jesus, a study in First Thessalonians. Now, what I want to impart to us and uh, what I bring, uh, I, all, all I knew in the spirit as we were coming to study tonight is we need to read all of First Th- Thessalonians. And uh, I draw your attention to verse 5 in chapter 1. And uh, this, this is the place where we're at. Personal lives, uh, Calvary Chapel Grand Forks, as you apply... <coughs> what you have received and what you have heard. It says, The gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we are among you for your sakes. That's the Apostle Paul declaring unto them, what happened? They were born again. They received the gospel. The, the power of God came into their lives. And uh, the, the theme of the conference comes from chapter 3, verse 8. So take a look at, 1 Thessalonians 3.8. Now, what had happened with the church? Paul was there for a short period of time, and because of threats, right? Remember, persecuted in this place, you flee. That's the instructions the Lord gave the apostles. And when Paul was out and he was persecuted, he fled Thessalonica. But the word of God had such an entrance they believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in really, we don't know for sure how long it was. We know Paul was there for three Sabbaths. 
And if you consider that the state of the church in the days in which we're living, we need this same strength that really, I don't know another church like this in, in all of the Bible that was birthed and equipped and, and the word of God imparted to them by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the practice of Christian living in three weeks. That's our instructions. It says, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And that's the standing strong in Jesus. Now, where's the part in First Thessalonians where it says they received the word of God as it is the word of God? Where's that at? Which chapter? You can look. You get, it's open book. Where's that part that describes unto this church what, what was given unto them? Where is it? Two fifteen? Thirteen. Two thirteen? All right. Yep, got it. I'll read it. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Now, what I bring tonight, and by the way of recapping the conference, and in this in this work of what we say is Calvary Chapel Grand Forks, I, I, I hope you see just how closely our hearts are knit together with what I call Calvary Chapel Fargo. It, it to me, is the same work, just in two different locations. And what I would impart to you, this importance of of what I heard in the conference and and really this is a pastors conference to build up and equip and and build up the pastors in the Lord and then send them back out to their congregations and i was exhorted I, again personal exhortation that doesn't make the recap for anything you need to do but i received a strong exhortation um from pastor Zach Vasquez in his session to shepherd the flock of god be a shepherd feed them the word of god and and this part of me coming up here tonight, I, I know we haven't met together for weeks, and it's not easy for me. I, in fact, uh, it is not easy to not be here when we have things scheduled. And, and over this, the Word of God, right? If you don't eat, right, you starve. And this church, now reason with me as I'll talk about this a little bit. Here's the reasoning. What Paul's calling the Word of God, what, what is the Word of God that he brought to them? Is he, is he bringing any of the other letters he wrote to the churches? Does he have any of the gospel accounts to share with, with the church? You know what he's bringing the Word of God? He's bringing unto them the Tanakh. 
He is bringing unto them the apostles' doctrine of Christ out of what we call Old Testament. And I want to impart to you this wonderful understanding. What he is bringing unto them is the declaration declaring the word of the Lord. What the Bible has to say about the Son of God and who he is. Now, think about what we have. We can gather together for conference. We can gather together for church. We can study a letter that was written to the church later on. And then we can see what this is. And we have the benefit of all that's now been written down, studied. This is a, this is a gem to study. As we're reading it again tonight, I, I probably could come up with 50 Bible studies out of this letter. And no, no kidding, just studying this verse, these, this idea, this concept. And, and what I want to impart to us is this, the Word of God. And this is the exhortation that the Word of God works effectively in our lives when we believe God's Word. When we believe it and receive it as it is, the Word of God and not the Word of men. Can you detect the difference between Word of men and Word of God? That idea you just shared with me, that's not the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is, this is not man's idea. This is from God. Now, the way I'm going to do this tonight is this way. Now, there were ten sessions, and I'm going to give you the titles of them. First one, standing on the proclamation of the word. Draw your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 through 8, which I already drew your attention to verse 5. The word of the Lord had such an entrance, the gospel, declaring the word of God. Do you remember when you first heard the word of the Lord, when you heard the gospel, and how God's word had an entrance into your life that you were convicted by the Holy Spirit of this truth of the Son of God, crucified, risen again, forgiveness of sin offered, new life offered. And this gospel had that entrance. And you'll notice it came in, in, in this way. It came in power. So it's the word of the Lord, and it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then this phrase in verse 5, much assurance. And I restore unto you tonight the reminder that your confidence is in Christ Jesus. Your confidence is in the cross of the Son of God, not in your performance. So what you had received in the beginning was the assurance of this truth of who Jesus Christ is. And in much assurance, the the confidence in which we impart, and Paul says it this way, it actually had come with, what kind of men they were among the churches when they went out. In this case, amongst the unbelievers, the type of men that they were when they came to town proclaiming the word of the Lord, and they were men that were uh, of character, if you will. But uh, the way I want to say that is they had an exemplary life. What happened to the Apostle Paul is Jesus had changed his life. It wasn't just about Paul getting saved on the road to Damascus. He was saved on the road to Damascus and given a new life. The power of God. The power, that initial power of God, when it has its entrance into our lives, in which what we call new birth, has its change that it brings into our lives. That initial working that changes, in fact, is said of the Apostle Paul, that he began to reason in the synagogue 
from the Jewish scriptures proving that Jesus was the Christ. That's quite a change from the guy who was breathing murderous threats against anybody who would even dare mention the name of Jesus. Now, that first session for me describes a church and a people and how the gospel is to be like it was in Thessalonica. This is my goal. This is my desire. This, is, this for me is the effective working of the word of God in our lives when we've believed and received the gospel in this way, like the church of Thessalonica, look at verse 8 in chapter 1. The word of the Lord has sounded forth. Can you imagine a church birthed and receiving the gospel and taught in three or four weeks? Maybe as much as six weeks. It's hard to say how, how the church, if they met every Sabbath. So Paul reasoned with them for three Sabbaths. We don't really know how short it was. If they met weekly, pretty short time. If they met monthly, so let's say three months. And and in this, look what happened under them. When they received the word of God, and it changed their lives so that now from their lives, the word of the Lord sounded forth from them. And this is really my goal and my desire, that the word of the Lord would sound forth from our lives. Okay. Now, that word sounded forth is only used in the Bible in this place, <coughs> in my right coat pocket, I've got a cough drop in my jacket right there. Can you turn off the heaters, Jeremy? We're cooking now. This, this intermission has been brought to you by phlegm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just just send one up. There you go. If I talk longer than one cough drop, I, the sermon's too long. Bless you, my child. <laughs> hey, and and this this is what it comes down to, that that having received the word of God as what it is, you're you're all the brochure of what it is for the people in your lives to be a Christian. You're the brochure. You're the, you're the, I don't know, you're the, you're the commercial. Right? Your life, my life, is the advertisement. Is that how they say it in London and in England? Advertisement? Okay, this, these are our lives. The word of the Lord sounded forth. That word sounded forth is the word to describe the way a trumpet sounds. Our, we're, we're not, Sending forth the word from our lives in an apologetic way. Well, if you're thinking about being a Christian, maybe you'd like to be one. And and this is what it's kind of like. No, it's like a trumpet. The word of the Lord is to sound forth from our lives with our words, with our actions, like a trumpet. Clear and penetrating sound, if you will. Right? A stirring sound. Now, the idea of when a trumpet sounds, think of it. When you blow the trumpet... And, and and that's given as a charge to command into battle. Do do the hearers say, I wonder, was that a was that a trumpet? I don't know. What what did that mean? Now our lives are to be like that, where it's the word of the Lord is to sound forth in the clarity and standing strong in Jesus, declaring the word of the Lord that way. 
you know, the, the whole area of study called apologetics, you know, ready to give an answer to people, it's not apologizing, apologizing ethics, right? The word, the word in Greek is that you have an answer, not apologizing for the answer that you have. We've been predisposed to not offend people. Do you know that a trumpet does not take concern over how everybody's going to hear that? The one who is blowing the trumpet, which again, I'll remind you, breath of, it takes breath to blow upon that instrument. And in this case, it's the word of the Lord. So it takes the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, to declare the word of the Lord to people. What are we declaring? Are we going to declare words of men? Or are we going to declare unto people the gospel, the word of the Lord? Now, standing strong in Jesus, all these sessions, here they are. You ready? I told you I'd give them to you. Standing on the proclamation of the word. Earning the right to be heard. Now, that's not to be heard in the body of Christ. We receive one another. We interact with one another. We listen to one another. We're talking earning the right to do what? With the unbeliever? Earning the right to be heard by how the word of God has changed our lives and the truth that, it, that we declare unto them and the way that we conduct ourselves in this world. Earning the right to be heard. Standing in the enabling of God. That's my session. That's, that's my calling. That's, that's Pastor Zach Vasquez laying out the word of God, declaring unto the pastor, feed the flock of God, care for them, pray, do those things. And that's session. Um, next one, standing and the rapture. Now, I'm just going to talk briefly tonight. And I'm going to remind you of this truth. Jesus Christ, right, by the word of the Lord, Paul tells this church at Thessalonica, he declares unto them, we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. He says those that sleep in Jesus, they're going to come with him when he descends from heaven and comes in the clouds and gives a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and declares, come up here. Now, we don't know he says come up here, do we? But in the revelation of John as he of Jesus Christ as John records it chapter 4 after these things John says I saw a door open in heaven and then he heard and the voice said unto him come up here now is it such a crazy conjecture to say what does the lord say now the shout actually is a deliberate it's a deliberate command See, Paul never tells the Thessalonians what, what the shout is. And he probably didn't know, but the Holy Spirit reveals there's a shout of the Lord. Do you know that when the Lord descends in the clouds and, and, and gives a shout, it's a deliberate command to the church? My conjecture, together with, well, I'm learning this from Pastor Will Ramirez, and I agree with him. You know what I believe the Lord says? Come up here. That's what's recorded in Revelation 4. Now, we're told that, and again, where we're at, and, and standing strong in Jesus until the end, standing until the end. Well, one of the ways we stand until the end is by standing now in this wonderful promise and truth that we live our lives in such a way, in truth, that Jesus can come back at any moment. How does that work? 
At any moment, the Lord's going to be in the clouds when the Father says, Son, go get him. He's going to descend from his throne. He's going to come down to the earth in the clouds, and he's going to shout and give the command to the church. And again, my, my thing, you, you study it, you look it up. It's a deliberate command. Come up here. There's going to be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And what happens then with that trumpet? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, do you know the word in Greek? is a, a word that describes, in that, in that smallest moment, they use the smallest term that they knew of to describe the amount of time. It's the same word they would use to describe the basic unit of their understanding. They understood atoms, right? Koinonia Greek. They understood the smallest elements, and that's the word they used. They didn't know the atom could be divided yet. We know that now. But in their understanding... They use the smallest measurement of time possible to describe our transformation that takes place. When the Lord says, come up here, and we are changed, we are transformed, and we're with him. Here's my confidence to you. Stand strong in Jesus, knowing whatever trouble you get into, whatever trouble may be around you, whatever difficulty, trial, suffering, Whatever it might be, know this, the Lord can come at any moment and take us unto himself. Now, I have so much to say to you, but I want to be faithful to this, which is the next session, Standing Strong in Jesus, the Day of the Lord. Paul was faithful to reveal unto the, the church at Thessalonica, and he says it this way. Let me find my spot here. I think it's chapter 5. Yes. Hey, and this is where we're at. This is the word I can share with you. This, 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 is, this is 2022 if you'll listen closely. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That phrase, day of the Lord, is a specific prophetic term that Joel uses, that other prophets use to describe this day of the Lord, which describes the coming of the Messiah and the judgment of God. Just think of how many doctrines have been taught over the day of the Lord with whatever man has been able to figure out. But yet the Bible reveals that the day of the Lord coincides with in contrast to the day of man. Daniel prophesied that there would come an end to the kingdom of man <coughs> and there would be an establishment of the kingdom of God. We know that now, the day of the Lord. So think of the rapture this way. The church goes up, judgment comes down. This is the way Paul taught it to the church. He taught the church goes up in the, in the coming of the, to meet the Lord in the air, and then he goes on in chapter 5 to describe, he says, you comfort one another with the words of the Lord can catch us away at any time. He goes on to describe for the church at Thessalonica, the day of the Lord is coming. Now, what's the day of the Lord? It's, it's Jesus' second coming to judge this world and to establish his kingdom here on earth. Now, when does this happen? Well, Verse 2, he says, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. 
you can't plan for it. The, the, the coming of the Lord is going to come upon this Christ-rejecting world in such a way like a thief in the night, and they're not going to know what came. And the thief does not set an appointment, call you up in advance and say unto you, hey, I got an open time slot this week. Thursday, Thursday night between midnight and 4 a.m. looks pretty good for me. I'm going to come and steal all your stuff. He doesn't call that way. And in much the same way, this is how the coming of the Lord is going to be. Now look at three with me. He says, when they say peace and safety. Hey, have you tuned your ear to what the world is saying right now? What are they crying out? Peace and safety. Be safe. Is that safe? And they're just longing to be at peace. When war now begins once again in this world on a global scale, look at it. Before our eyes, what's happening? You think of what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, and all the already this has sent a ripple throughout all the nations of the world. And what is the world going to be crying out real soon? Peace. Peace. And put it together. Peace and safety. Do you know where we're at? When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Now the Bible reveals that there is a judgment of God coming upon this world. For all those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ, there is a judgment of God coming upon them. Now, not going to overstate that, but we're called to stand strong in Jesus knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. You, brethren, are not in darkness, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. You, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Don't you love that? We're children of the light. We're not, we're sons of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We know the Lord's coming. We, We know these things are taking place. And I remind you, Don't let the news of the world trouble you. Don't let the advancements or seeming advancements of some trouble in the world that you think is going to overtake, it's not going to overtake. You know what overtakes? Jesus overtakes this world. And we need to be reminded of that. God is going to judge this world in righteousness for their wickedness and sin. Now, as I say that and remind you to stand strong in him, Let's not fall asleep. Now, this isn't the sleep he was talking to them about those that died in Christ. This is the church falling to sleep over what the world is sleeping, not paying any attention to this wonderful truth that the Son of God has come. Those who sleep, they sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. And it's fun to do. You can can check out the stats. Crime increases after midnight. Violent crime increases in the dark. And Paul uses that understanding to to remind us that we are of the day. Look at verse 8. Let us be, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love. I was reminded tonight on the way up, the names that were chosen for the triplets of a, of a family that we know, identical triplets who miscarried years ago. Was it three years ago, I think? Something like that. And you know what they named their, their, their three identical babies that were in the womb that miscarried? Faith, hope, and love. And this is what holds us. 
standing strong in Jesus, and, and Paul reminds them. And, you know, this isn't Ephesians 6 yet. This isn't Paul studying a Roman soldier and coming out with a way to break down the armor into a tactical, spiritual, tactical way. He's simply saying what? He's discovered these three and, and put them on. He, he describes that which would guard our heart. And, and if you'll see it, breastplate of faith and love. That's what guards our hearts. Our faith in Jesus Christ, the love, guards our hearts, it protects us. And then the helmet as the hope of salvation. And I draw your attention to this, standing strong in Jesus. Look at verse 9. If you want to take one verse with you tonight, when I talk about the day of the Lord and I talk about God's judgment coming upon this world, the moment that that first seal is opened and the rider on the white horse and then you have famine, death, war, pestilence as those seals begin to open up and then trumpet judgments begin to sound, look at this wonderful truth. God did not appoint us to wrath. But we're appointed to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or whether we sleep, again, now he's saying what? Whether we've died or whether, or, or whether, uh, whether we're alive in Christ, we should live together with him. And then look at verse 11. Comfort one another. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. Now, Back to the conference. Standing in sanctifi- sanctification. Standing in sanctification. Ministry principles to help us stand and standing to the end. Now, that's a recap. That's. The First Thessalonians. It's a conference, but what is it? It's the Bible. It's the Word of the Lord. It's it's a chapter of the Bible. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with this tonight. Find your way in First Thessalonians chapter five. When Paul pulls out the machine gun, well, okay, rapid fire bow and arrow. You didn't have guns back then. And and he just lays out the word of God in wonderful basic exhortations. Okay? And I'll pick it up in verse 16. This is is the word of the Lord to us. Rejoice always. How easy is that? Hey, watch this one. Take your joy again in the Lord. Rejoice always. Right? Very important. Rejoice always. Hey, I'm suffering. I talked with one of my, my friends I've known him for years, and I only see him at conferences because he lives he lives uh, four states away from me. We're not in the same Calvary Chapel circles, didn't come out of the same heritage. We're, we're, we're a good brother. And every time I see him, right, he we, we just connect a little bit. And he described the things he was going through, and he says, uh, he talked to me about the joy in the midst of the thorns, like a rose. The joy is the rose. The thorns are all on that stem. He says, I've got some thorns in my life. He says, just just put my dad into hospice. A thorn. You know, you, you, you think, and, and so he said, I didn't realize how much 
and they they had about a third or half of their church that came down with COVID, and it it hit them bad. Two people died in church from COVID. He says it wiped us out. He's just, but he's what is he describing to me? Joy in the midst of suffering. Now, what I, what I have to share with you. Again, just just this is a word of the Lord. This isn't word of man. I, if I come up and say, "Hey guys, smile, be happy," or "Don't worry, be happy," or "Keep a stiff upper lip," or you have the word of the Lord that says, "What? Even when you're suffering and in trial, rejoice always." This one, seventeen, pray without ceasing. Now, this letter to the church—it's not the only mention of prayer. Paul says, "Pray for us." He says, "I pray for you." Now, here's what I value, okay? And, and there, first of all, I'll start with what I don't do that well is communicating with you all the time. I think about you and pray for you far more than I ever talk to you, okay? I talk to God more about you than I talk to you. Now, that's a good thing, but I want to talk to you as I talk to God about you and with you and for you. But I also ask for your prayers. Hey, what we're in, and again, let, let's be honest, small congregation, this this isn't this isn't, for fame and glory of men. We're here and doing this together. Why? Because we have the word of the Lord. Okay? And I say this, pray without ceasing. If you do nothing else with what God has given unto you and you're seeking him and talking with him about all things, pray without ceasing. Look at verse 18. This one, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I headed down to this conference. I was really kind of wore down. That's the way I said it. Turns out when I got there and the Lord started searching my heart, I'd say, what? I was a mess. I thought I was one way, far worse than I, than I really was. And what I say to you, uh, there's just what comes out of this. Give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. What is that psalm? What's the one that says it all the time? Psalm 137. I'll give thanks to the Lord. Is it 136? His mercy endures forever. 136 and 137. I happened to be reading those in my devotions I was at the conference. Thank you, Lord. And just in everything give thanks. This is the will of God. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. What's the spirit of the Lord want to do? Now, this is an important one. Whatever the spirit of the Lord is wanting to do, don't quench that. How do we quench it? Well, we throw we throw water on fires, don't we? We yeah, that's not the Lord. Oh, I I came under the conviction and the teaching, but I I don't want to change things. Or I know what I'm doing isn't right. Or the Spirit of God is saying, nudging you, say, hey, go talk to that person. The Spirit of God is saying, hey, call that brother or sister. Hey, pray with them right now. How easy is it to quench the Spirit? Okay. Verse twenty. Do not despise prophecies. Now, I just put one in front of you tonight. Don't despise the prophecy of the rapture. Do you realize the prophecy is not man's doctrine? Paul gives that as a prophecy to the church. The Lord's going to meet you in the air and he's going to call you up. That's prophecy. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Why, why is the church astir over what the Russian bear, Gog Magog, you know, Meshach, Tubal, Rosh, the prince of, of Magog. Why, why is the church all stirred up about this? Because of prophecy. Don't despise those prophecies. 
Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Hey, don't stop testing. Is that from the Lord? With what I just heard, does that match up with the Bible? You know how I test most doctrines? How does it hold up to the cross of Jesus Christ? Does it agree with the cross or does it does it give you a teaching that lets you escape denying yourself and crucifying the flesh? If there's ever a teaching that lets you deny, you know, escape crucifying your flesh, test it that way. Say, that's not the Lord. The Lord says lay down our lives. The Lord says this. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Turns out abstain means have nothing to do with it. Turns out abstain means don't have this in your life. I impart to you just by way of encouragement. You know, I'm not going to teach you, but I'm going to read the words in, in, in my mind. And I, again, I'm having received it as it is the word of God. You don't need anyone to teach you to love one another. You don't need anybody to teach you to love God. You're, you're, you yourselves are taught by God to love him. You yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And the word that Paul said to this church, he says, you're doing it. And then he says what? Increase more and more. Who here tonight needs more love in their lives like I do? Right? Well, it's my prayer tonight. We'll close with this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the exhortation and comfort. Lord, I thank you for the conference and what it is to study for Thessalonians and stir us up to stand for you, Jesus, in this day and age. We stand for you in the midst of the world that that opposes you. Lord, more people opposing you, and so we stand. Your your gospel is, is, is at war. The enemy is at war with this power of God, and so we stand. Prophecies diminished. Scoffers come and say these things. And then our own sinful lives, Lord, uh, we need to stand. So here we are tonight asking for the love of God to increase more and more in our lives, asking for the clear sounding forth of the word of the Lord in our lives with love, that the power of the Holy Spirit may be upon us, that the word of the Lord may be dwelling in us richly in all wisdom, and that your love fills us up. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.